Welcome to the Huffing Spirit Podcast, where we take you from the sacred to the profane, from the serious to the silly, from the outer to the inner, and from the guru back to you. Join your playful podcast guides, Alex Hindley and Natalie Dick, as they bring you back to a grounded and more authentic approach to spirituality. Our power is our presence. It's not in our achievements. It's not in um, how successful we are. It's not. It's actually none of that. It's, it's how able we are to be present with what is. That's our power. So it has to start there. So welcome to the Hubby Spirit Podcast today. We are so excited to have Geraldine Power on. And Alex, I'm excited for you to jam with with Jer, because I mean, Jer, we haven't met in person, but um, I feel like we've been connected through Instagram for a very long time. And I got to say, like, I'm going to introduce you in a way that your your work is so potent in this world that there's of no coincidence that your last name is Power. Like, yeah, it is for real. Like you are you are a force of love. I'm not kidding. And your work is fierce and divinely guided. And we want to open up this podcast to really jump into all the beautiful topics that we're going to be jamming about today. So I think we're going to start this off with you. Let's get to know you and your story and how you got here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. It's funny you talked about my last name because uh, when I married my husband, the day after he proposed, I said, um, I have to keep my last name. I'm really sorry, but like, I need sure. this name. <laughs> and I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, really my journey has been um, in its quintessential essence, coming home to my power and really redefining even what power and health uh, means. Mm-hmm. I know it seems like y'all on this podcast, I checked out a few episodes, you're really diving deep into what it means to be embodied and how to really come home to ourselves in the age of information and so much kind of happening out there. And so um, that's been, that's been my journey as well. Where should I start? I'm just thinking, um, I guess I'll start more recently. So back in, I'll give you a quick backdrop. Back in 2010, 2011, I left my government job as a police officer. I graduated college and took a very sort of like liberal minded, my my father was very liberal in his politics, you know, you go to school and make sure you're safe, right? Like make sure you have a good job and a good pension. And um, my dad's amazing, but he, he was raised that way under that very like, make sure you're safe in life. And as a grown woman now, I've had to really redefine like what that even means. But back then I thought, okay. And so I really chose a career more out of that uh, masculine side of me, actually. Um, if we think of the word power, I was like, okay, that's what safety, I guess, means. And so um, I was really strong at the time. I've always been physically fit and I thought I could be a cop and they make good money and they have a good pension. And looking back now, what, 13, 14 years later, like such a ridiculous choice for me (laughs) Um, based on what I do, based on what I do now. You know, the job was uh, very high stress for the nervous system, um, for women who in their essence, if they are innately more feminine, really not a great choice. (laughs) 
And I started to have those intuitive feelings inside of me go off a few years into the the profession of policing and specifically thinking about becoming a mother one day and thinking like, wait, how am I going to lean into compassion and space holding for children? And how am I going to, um, you know, just be okay and hold a container of love for my kids if I'm in this very masculine job? So that got the wheels turning and um, I started studying yoga and meditation and nervous system health and um, the chakra system in the body. I'm trained in Reiki now, which is probably one of my favorite modalities. And um, long story short, I left the police force, built my own business, had a few income streams going, and was really blessed enough. This was not the goal. Um, The goal was never to replace my policing salary or anything like that. The goal was just to be healthy and well and to really explore what it what it meant to come back home to my feminine because that part of me was completely severed now 2023 i'm a mom of three girls and i have a few income streams that have supported me through just staying ruined in entrepreneurship and being a steward for women to really explore what and who they are in their feminine essence. I'm trained in a in through a priestess lineage, which is all about exploring the different faces and lost archetypes of the feminine and really exploring what health means for us as women, um, especially in the times that we're facing today. And so um, my my family and I, we recently moved to more rural Ontario, um, where we we homeschool, we have chickens, we were building gardens. And so it's been, it's been, it's it's dreamy. It's like, it sounds like a dreamy life every time I talk with you. It's the house that we're in now is what I call like, this is our dharmic house. Like we're done moving through what all the falsities we were taught were, we're we're kind of, we've moved all of that out of the way. And now we've landed and like, I I, I sometimes speak to it in my work is like moving from karma to dharma. Like there's what the world teaches, which a lot of it is just these masks that we wear. Like I'm a school teacher or I'm a this or I'm a that. But below that is our medicine. Below that is our essence. Below that is how we're truly wired to receive life and, and be in who we are. And we might still be the school teacher or the whatever, but um, the house that we're in now, it's like, it's our healing house and it's our opportunity to now learn how to receive life from a very different place that we were in 10, 12 years ago. So, yeah. That's, what, what was that place you were in 10, 12 years ago? Like, what was, what was that contrast like? Just to give the audience, like, what was then and what is now? Hmm. I had a very different, I would say, definition of, again, what success is, um, what health is. I think when a lot, when many of us start this journey into consciousness, what's really happening is we're we're purging our old wounding. Mm. And that takes a lot of time. And so um, back then even though I was working out all the time and I was eating clean by whatever diet was talking about what, what that means at that time. And even though I was doing those things, I wasn't really healthy, if that makes sense. Whereas now, like there's a totally different contrast to answer your question to waking up when my body wants to wake up, um, not having to control like 
my days and going, okay, in order to be successful, I got to get up at 5 a.m. and I got to do this. There's a trusting of life now. I mean, I have three small children too, so maybe there's some nuance there for me, but. You've got um, a few alarm clocks around the house. What's that? You've got a few like natural alarm clocks. Yes. Yeah. But even with them, it's like a slowing down and a trusting of life as a very cyclical process. There's, there's a, you can probably feel it in my words. There's a difference between like controlling our way through life and then trusting life. And so I really, I, I never thought I had issues with control, but I used to really control everything. And now it, everything in my day in contrast comes from trust. Also, back then in my policing days and, and even early on when I left the force and I was teaching yoga, you know, I was very much in that ideology of the yoga space of like everyone was vegan at the time and drinking green juice and like these trends come and go, right? And um, now in the world, it's a little bit more about, I guess, ancestral eating and people are into beef liver and sourdough and, and that's great. We're, we're constantly like evolving and remembering these ancient ways. But back then, uh, you know, if I was tired at two o'clock, I would reach for like a supplement, you know, to like pick me up because I thought that's what health was. And now, now I, <laughs> living on the land and developing a relationship even with animals and I mean, and the garden and, um, again, this idea of trusting life, I started to learn more about how we lived as humans prior to the Industrial Revolution. I don't know if you guys have ever looked into this, but it's fascinating. Like before factory jobs were introduced and children were sent off to school and um, we really started to wear these masks of like, okay, this is my job and this is what I do and I have to get up at this time. When we peel all that away, there's some really cool books where you can read into for further context how people lived. And um, a cool way to explore this is the Chinese medicine wheel of health. You can just do a quick Google search of that. Mm -hmm. But for example, Chinese medicine really kind of nails it when they talk about the different hours of the day and how our, our bodily systems and our organs are working at certain times of the day. You'd have to look at the graphic for the exact timing, but it's somewhere between one and three o'clock. I think it's our liver or our kidneys or something that's going to work, and we're naturally detoxifying, and we're actually supposed to be resting at that time. Mm -hmm. And so as my husband and I and our family started to just really move away from that whole idea of like, if I'm tired at one o'clock, I need to eat an energy bar or hack my way through this. <laughs> we started to go, wait, 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 wait. Let's just honor this and like take a nap. And if you read about how people lived prior to the industrial revolution, people would nap, have sex at one, two o'clock in the afternoon. A lot of what times. What a wonderful world. What a wonderful world. Uh, it's such so, a to answer your question that's what we that's in con, that's the contrast those are just like i could give you a thousand examples but we've started to live more cyclically and really explore weight it's like a remembrance in your body of like this is how we're actually wired to live in harmony with our bodies as opposed to constantly pushing up against and that's i love that you said that because it's like the more connection you do have to nature the deeper the connection you do have to yourself yeah, it restores it. 
Yeah. And all those different layers. And I love that you said that these ideas of like hacking the system. I mean, this is such a, a pour huge some coffee on it. Pardon? Pour some coffee on it, grind through. Yeah. But it's, it's like the, it's like hacking the system. It's like, I'm going to falsely trick my body into mm-hmm. waking up and you can see this in all these different areas, whether it's health, even spirituality. It's like people use meditation to escape their emotions and their body or the trauma. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. all these ways that's layered into so many different health avenues, whether it's spirituality, health, it's yoga. It is everywhere. And it is that disconnection that takes us away from ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want me to comment on that? Sure. Yeah. Keep going. I mean, there's so many examples, but I I think what I like to do is pose the question to people, you know, what does health truly mean? Like we really need to reevaluate, I think, our definitions of what it means to be healthy. Nature knows how to evolve. Nature is so wise and we are the manifestation of nature. Like we are her. And so um, many of us in the times that we're in, I think, are being pushed up against our edges in ways that we're not used to. And we're really being asked to redefine what health means to us. Have you guys found this in your... Yeah, I mean... Journey? Yes, I think the same line of thinking as you, I mean, being in, in the holistic world of health, I dabbled yeah. in all the different diets. Like I still have to catch myself when I get really excited about new supplements, like a oh, supplement's going to fix me or mm-hmm. this new ritual of journaling is going to fix me. It's the fixing part that we have looked at health as a way to fix something that is broken. And, and for me, that, that's been a complete unraveling where mm-hmm. I'm sitting more with what is and surrendering to that process. Yeah, I mean, on, on kind of the yin-yang of it, being an American, you know, we're, we're fitter and fatter than we've ever been. Mm. Um, and there's plenty to say about the American healthcare system and how, you know, kind of broken it is. But I think um, what I really enjoy about a lot of the stuff that you're doing, Gerilyn, is like you're, you're talking about kind of like the rise of the feminine. And I think so yeah. often, come out of touch with these cycles we've come out of touch with our connection to nature the ability to heal the body on its own we've given our power away to somebody else we're trying to control too much um, and we've fallen out of alignment with it with ourselves with everything mm-hmm. yeah. and, and true health is just equilibrium yeah and equilibrium and it's being in those rhythms those cyclical rhythms that you're talking about allows our body to and I'm going to segue into one of the topics that I think is really near and dear to your heart, the, the death and rebirth process. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, what that death and rebirth process is to you and how does that show up in your work or in your personal life? Sure. So just to give your audience context, um, yeah. even to what Alex just said, we are all made up of masculine qualities and feminine qualities. And so many different healers and teachers of consciousness and mystics and guides have been saying for years, some more quietly behind closed doors, it is starting to hit the mainstream a little bit more. 
but many people have very accurately predicted that the world will, in a way, be forced to face the wounded masculine or the shadow qualities of the masculine, which are things like our hyper-focus on um, individualism and like individual success and the American dream, right? We see this, Alex, I didn't know you live in the States, but it's like we've been fed this narrative again since the industrial revolution that in order to be successful, you must whatever, fill in the blanks. And we're fed this idea of hyper-independence. We've lost the village. We've really lost our connection to um, communal care. And through this, um, men have definitely taken a hit. Women have taken a hit. Men want to see women in their feminine essence. Like they want to, they are the, they are the protectors. They want to hold us in that. And I think a lot of men during these times are, they're healing too. They're facing perhaps shame. A lot of what's coming up for them is like shame or pain around what men in the past have done. And then what's coming up for women is a remembrance of where we severed our connection to the feminine. And we also leaned more deeply into these wounded masculine um, and wounded feminine structures. So the idea is that we want to come back to, like Alex said, equilibrium. The masculine is not bad. The masculine in its essence is so needed and it's one half of the whole, but it needs to be cleansed and integrated on an, on a micro level. Each one of us have to do this on a micro level because the micro affects the macro. So some of this, let's call it shadow work uh, and really cleansing the body and the chakra system because it sits in the body for a lot of us. Um, these falsities, these, these beliefs it comes up to be, it's coming up for many of us to be alchemized. So when you're asking what is the life, death, rebirth process, it's a very cyclical process mm-hmm. and it really models nature. And, and like in its simplistic form, if you look at the seasons on the wheel of, a ca- on the ca- of the calendar year, things sprout up and grow and birth in the spring and in the summer. And then we enjoy the bounty of you know, the sun's light and the sun's rays that have fueled the gardens and, you know, just the energy of the soil that has created this food. And we harvest that and we enjoy that. But then nature goes through a death process. Everything dies off and the leaves from the trees crumble and fall. And for some people, they can look at it as like, oh, they don't like fall or winter as much because it's not as pretty or whatever, but that death process, the compost is necessary. I have a pile of my chicken shit over in the corner of our (laughs) yard that we're saving because the compost from my beautiful organic chickens is going to fuel my soil. That's That's the death process. It's the dying off that will then serve the next rebirth. So we as humans go through the same process. And um, at certain times of our life, this is where you might hear like the concept of, of a dark night of the soul. If someone's going through a deep initiation where a lot of that shadow side of humanity is coming up through them, or, or um, this can happen through the loss of a loved one, or you're, you just hit your knees for some reason. Um, 2020 was a dark night of the soul for everybody. It was, it was the opportunity for a part of you to die off if you were in the spiritual arena. So through that 
that death process, we're looking at transmuting and forgiving, um, kind of like religions teach, Christianity, the core teaching of Jesus is forgiveness. Cast your whatever it is, whatever you're holding, whatever shame you're facing, whatever on him, and he wants to take it and help forgive it. So the life-death rebirth process is it's masculine and feminine but i would argue it's a little bit more feminine in in its essence because women are just very natural and good at alchemizing and feeling and being open in our heart if we're closed in our heart we're not even open to life we're not open to this cyclical process we're just stuck we are just walking around like robots and chinese medicine teaches all disease comes from the heart And so when I've studied the chakra system and and people's energy bodies, I would see falsity or fears or pain, for example, locked in their root chakra, right? But it was flowing up to the heart or something in their head. It would come back down to the heart. And so when we can honor this natural life, death, rebirth process and times of hardship or times of change or times when we need spiritual support and when we can face that shadow side and with love, that's the feminine. Most people resist this because they're not willing to love all parts of themselves. They only want to see the light. So when they're willing to face this, that's when you have the highest opportunity for health and high coherence in your work and high fulfillment and all of these things. I know that was a long answer. No, no, I love it. I love it because I mean, I think, I mean, I, I do, we've had conversations like this where you and I do quite similar work where we do a lot of shadow work, that shadow work is is absolutely necessary component of taking all those cringy parts of ourselves and through that feminine heart chakra, it is really about loving the cringe and, yeah. and being with all those parts so that you're, you're not resisting the resistance. That's where the, that's, that's where the programming is. All of that, um, the challenge is the, is the resistance and that which we don't want to see, that which mm-hmm. we don't want to be in. But as soon as we open up to all of those dark parts of ourselves, the, it's like the, the light just pours in and just nourishes everything so quickly. Yeah. Well, I think that's the part, too, is it, you go from projecting outward and then you realize that it's all internal. Mm-hmm. And the further on the spiritual game, the harder it is to be like, you're the one pissing me off. It's like, oh, no, no, spirit's bringing this forward. To, it's kicking me in the balls for a certain reason. I've got to honor that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love what you're both saying about the heart because uh, 10 years ago in Cleveland, I had a guy that did body work on me and I could feel him open up my joints from left to right. And there was an energy current coming to my left foot, going out my right foot. And he was saying that humans are so unique because we have this chakra system and we're the only animal that walks fully upright. So you were talking Eastern medicine, like Taoist alchemy and stuff like that. There's a big practice on like yin-yang energy, but heaven and earth. So martial arts, you talk about like splitting someone from not, I don't do a hard martial art, but you, you split their energy this way and then that way, heaven and earth. And he said, the heart is the perfect alignment between heaven and earth energies. Yeah. And we're the only so, to receive that. Yeah. This is a beautiful way. This is another way because there's so many cool metaphors. So many ways. There's so many ways we can describe the masculine and the feminine. The world has taught us to dominantly live in the masculine. And it's this, it's this idea that we reach up to the heavens for transcendence. 
this idea that we reach up vertically to God. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to pray to my higher self, right? If you're, and that's not like that's good. We want an open crown chakra. If you're talking about the seven chakra systems, we want that. But the problem is that most people in their search for spiritual wholeness, they're living strictly in the vertical and they have severed their connection to our 3D earthly bodies. They want, they want to be like all up here. And a lot of the times then the ego actually takes over and starts running the show and we think it's spirit and we're like totally distorted in our physical body on earth. And so the feminine is about a descension down and into the body to also explore there. It's not just exploring the ego and the mind. Um, it's getting into the body as well. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that, you know, Alex and I studied together. That's, that's why Alex is in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. We met in Chicago and we connected to. I, had, I got a restraining order from Natalie. <laughs> had to move away. <laughs> we, we mended the fence though. Yes, we did. We figured it out and we're, now we've created a podcast together. But, <laughs> so back to this, um, you know, this masculine idea that we have we've been in the mind for so long and yeah. the the body and what I was going to say is Alice and I have been studied together we've we've really been studying kind of the top down approach and then the body the body up approach is really okay. working from the feminine which is the emotional body yeah. which emotional body and all of that um, what we would consider chaotic is feminine energy and that's why you see the majority of people walking around from the neck up. They think their way through feeling. Mm-hmm. They think mm-hmm. their way through everything because nobody knows how to feel anymore because we've been so disconnected from the heart. Right. Disconnected from the feeling. I would say it's like the number one challenge when I work with people. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Forgotten how to feel. Mm-hmm. Do you both feel that that's like a masculine paradigm that's been uh, copied and pasted? all over the different dimensions that we exist? Yes. Yeah, even if you look at like some of the most popular self-help or leadership books that people have latched onto, it's all either male teachings or it's a woman who learned from a man. And I'm not saying that's bad, but it's women are now going, wait, hold on a second. (laughs) Women are now turning to the women's temples and the priestess temples and this very like underground rogue wild woman, like wait a second, wait a second. You know, we're having to, that's, it's the rebalance. Yeah. yeah. And coming back, coming back into that dark feminine, those mm-hmm. really deep, deep emotions that are typically looked down upon, like the yeah. sacred rage. This is, this is the thing. These are the things that we have to deeply connect with. And I feel like some of those really masculine, um, the coaching industry is very masculine. A, a lot of it is, like the love and light community is very masculine and none of it wants to look at the darkness. None of it wants to look at the, the, the trauma that sits in the body, right? They don't want to acknowledge that. So I feel that that's a really, um, I feel like we're, we're flipping, not flipping things upside down, but we're integrating some of that more, some of that medicine back in. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Do you want me to speak on that or do you? Absolutely. You know, one of the things I see starting to happen when women shift out of, again, um, not that the masculine is bad, but more of like the wounded masculine, let's say, and they start to come home to their essence and they start to become so present in their body, their medicine starts to surface uh, 
up from their womb and their sacral chakra because that's the seat of our creativity. So for example, I had a client who was doing photography and she was branding herself just like every other photographer kind of brands themselves on Instagram. And then she was like, wait, (laughs) this is so much deeper than photography. And she started to really look at the words that she was using. And she started to realize that she has this gift of capturing the unique and the innate sensitivity of children. And she doesn't make them pose or anything like that. Her, her footage is very raw. She's not in their face like, let's pose as the traditional happy Pinterest influencer family. Like it's none of that. And her sessions are really a healing initiation because a lot of the times families will come to the sessions and the parents are like, okay, pose little Johnny. And she's like, no, 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 wait, we're going to do this. And it's this whole medicinal process where the child's essence shines through. And then she says parents sometimes start crying or having these realizations of like, wow, like, thank you for that. You've, you helped me come back into my body and really see the essence of who my child is. And so do you see the difference between like photographer and I don't even know what she calls herself now, but it's still photographer, but she has this whole write up on her website about her unique artistry and her experience that she offers families. And you can probably feel the difference in how I explain it. Like her feminine essence is shining through. And, and when a woman is kind of blocked from that, um, there's a part of her, I believe, that will always feel unfulfilled and will always chase something down until she can really access that, that true face of her leadership. And would you say the feminine leadership then is related to creativity rather than like structure? It can be both, right? Like, again, structure is not bad. Um, Some women, I mean, if you really want to break this down, you can look at a person's birth chart and their astrology. If someone's a Capricorn and an Aries, they might not be, you know, it just might present a little bit differently. They might be the CEO, though, of a, I don't know, um, a woman's circle experience or something because they, they are able to handle, they can hold the feminine with a little bit of masculine structure. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's a lot of nuance here. Um, and this is where we, we have to be careful in how we talk about it and we can't make, you know, any one way bad or wrong. There's a lot of complexity to it, but yes, it's really exploring your artistry and getting to the heart of your gifts Um, I can give you some examples in in the priestess temple I'm a part of. Every month, we explore a different face, a different expression of the feminine to give women the opportunity to go, whoa, that's me. I remember maybe in some past lifetime or some past experience as a child, whoa, that whoa, before the world told me all the things I need to do and be, yes, that is me. And for some women, it's more of the CEO Capricorn energy. For other women, um, it's more of like just being really playful and midwifey and and compassionate. And and they may be a coach, like you're saying, Natalie, but they're really a midwife. Like they're an excellent Mm. witnesser and space holder for women to purge their emotions and cleanse and heal as opposed to like getting in there and coaching and fixing. So it's basically unwinding from some of these falsities we've been fed. And it's a very, very internal search for our true essence. That's what alchemy is. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. It's fascinating when, when women can tap into that creativity because we are creation. We so, are. 
yeah. everything we are is, is creation. And I mean, I've experienced that being cut off. And it's so funny, we we're going back to when you were talking about being a police officer, when I was in my 20s, I actually applied to become a, a police, Did you? police officer. I didn't, I didn't follow through the application. I was about to put it in. Fascinating. I know, right? I'm fascinated that I was thinking of that because it, I was in my masculine, very, very masculine. I was like a gym rat. Like, yeah. lit, like I was super strong, very just a, <laughs> my 20s, very different human being, very highly traumatized. So it's, it's fascinating that the more leaning into that softness and that creative space within, even within myself, that's always been my challenge and my, yep. my biggest um, kind of teacher has been my creativity in the last two years. And mm-hmm. it's been fascinating and wild and unleashing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think women who like you and like I, like, cause I relate, I was, I was in my masculine for years. You'll kind of flip flop for a little bit. You yeah. get into your feminine, you're like, okay. And then you get pulled back and then you're like, whoa, wait. And then you remember a little bit deeper, you unravel a little bit more into your body and then you're like pulled back. And then eventually though, if you keep, if you stay in the arena, you know, it takes time, but you, oh, Oh, the activation that comes when you really start to balance is so, um, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Now, how does this work for men and their creativity? Let's open up that topic. Mm, like, what, what do you think, are you asking, what do you think their process is right now? Yeah, like, what is, it, what is the process for men and engaging in their creative Man, man explain it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. I, I want to be real with you about this. It's like I still can't totally put my finger on. I think a lot of us are sitting with the inquiry of this, and I think it's okay to not like fully know. Um, what I have seen and I have seen other people speak to is that men, number one, they want to see women and their women, if they're in a relationship with a woman, they want to see the woman thriving in her essence and it's the man's job to actually protect that so what i'm starting to see like for example there's this whole movement when we talk about the returning to the feminine there's a whole movement a very quiet but powerful movement happening in the women's birth space there are women who are free birthing like they're just not going to the hospital Mm -hmm. they are like birth trauma is at an all-time high it's real, really bad in the United States and certain parts of um, Canada as well, southern Ontario, BC, like the busy areas where our healthcare system is maxed. Women are being treated like garbage and they're losing that connection to who they are. And of course, uh, to me, that's when we see all this trauma happening. C-sections are at an all-time high. I share this as an example with the men because I had a woman uh, that I worked with who shared this story with me of going to an ultrasound. And like, this is a time when a woman is in her God-given essence. She was created to receive, the woman receives the sperm. She was created to build this child and birth this child through her God-given chakra system. And my friend was going to her first ultrasound and she brought her husband with her and um, they were so excited and she felt like she was in the embodiment of 
receiving the baby and going through the pregnancy and making conscious choices for her birth team. And then she goes to go into the um, ultrasound room and a man said to her, oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't allow husbands in anymore. It's just protocol. Mm. And her husband stood up and said, Mm-mm, we're leaving. And when she told Damn. me that story, I had a full, like my full body was, I was so activated. I was like, oh. and to me, like that's a man doing his job. Uh, excuse me, I didn't know you were coming in. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. That's a man standing in his essence, protecting and preserving the feminine and his children. And so it might not look like going off to war or something like that. Um, I see this with my husband where sometimes, and he'll admit this, he still struggles to get into his body, to feel his feelings, to feel his past experiences. That's what I'm still sitting with. Like, especially when you look at a man's birth chart, I think if a man is a triple cancer, astrologically speaking, they will innately be more feminine. They will feel more. I, I know a man who's a triple cancer and he's like cooking all the meals and, um, you know, he does more than his wife, whereas my husband is, is not like that. And so I've had to learn to not try to push him too far into yeah. that and to instead honor. A woman's job is to honor and really, like, respect the masculine in their man. And so I think there's an integration there coming in relationships. But I see my husband and how he's really returned to his conscious embodiment is standing up for our girls. Really really like the ultrasound experience, you know, um, saying to me, like, our kids are not going to that school or our girls are not, you know what I mean? Like he stands in it. Putting his foot down and it's firm. Yes. So So, um, what would you say, Alex? Like how, I'm just curious because I'm still unpacking this for myself. Like how, what, what are the, what else are the men feeling? Um, I, I speak for myself, but I've, I've been privy to um, joining some really cool men's groups here, which are rooted in the wild, which are actually more feminine practice. There's a bioenergetic, there's a breathing component, you're, you're feeling, you're opening up more space in the body. Um, and I think, I speak for myself, but I think some, some men might agree, there's a little bit of a pressure that's never been there before, in that we are mm-hmm. one of the first or second generations to be like, the old way can no longer be. Yeah. If you treated your kid the same way your dad treated you, yeah. somebody would crucify you. Yeah. You're like, that's, that's not good enough anymore. Like, you have mm-hmm. to be. So there's the, the evolutionary pressure of this is the way that it was versus this is the way that it's going to be. Mm. Um, and I think guys are trying to figure that out. And I speak for my own relationship and the fact that, like, my wife is presently the breadwinner. And more times, I think she's uh, driven to be more masculinely inclined because she needs to perform. Mm. And then I'm more feminine because I'm taking care of the kid, if you're breaking it down by that. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting time for a guy because in some ways it's great. The old, you just can't get away with it anymore. Right. And, and the pressure of it is we're in uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. I love that vulnerability. And it's so interesting you talk about the pressure because um, I asked my husband, well, he asked me to do some Reiki on him the other day. And um, what was coming up was a pressure. Like I was like, what's sitting on your shoulders? Like there's all this like stuff on your shoulders. He goes, it's actually all in my head. It's pressure. Like 
stress of right um and he goes and it's piled up on my shoulders and i went whoo and you're i feel that for all men i feel that it's mm. interesting because I, i'm a single single mom raising a boy and it's mm. you know i i often am flipping in between when i have my son solely i'm flipping between i think this has been my greatest challenge is flipping between mom the nurturer but then the protector and the provider so it's it's fascinating to me how all of these ener- both of these energies truly live within us and they get activated in necessary times. But mm. um, I think it's really fascinating, and ch- it's it's going to be a very big challenge for our men and our little boys because they've got. I feel like the conditioning is so thick, mm-hmm. and the programming is so um, so deep. I mean, I feel like the women are waking up a little bit quicker and men it's it's like the yeah it's it's a thick process i feel like for men right now it's a lot to ask Mm -hmm. speaking for white men we've got a successful track record of fucking shit up yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and 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 having to come to terms with that too right like you're you're talking to a a family member and you're just like it, it costs you nothing to be empathetic they're like well all these people they want this and they want they just want you to listen to them and treat them like a person. That's all that it is. It's not taking away from there's, there's nobody trying to undermine white people out there. You know, I just think things are changing for everybody and everybody's reacting to that pressure in a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jer, yeah, I want to talk about the rewilding process because for you, I've watched, again, on social media and through just messaging and ch- having our chats, like, I love the process in which you are in, and it's, it's inspiring and beautiful. Can you walk us through what that rewilding process has been like for you? Sure. So to give context to your audience, if I had to define, you know, what rewilding means, again, it's, um, it's undoing some of the falsities of our post-industrial revolutionary times because we went through the post-industrial revolution and now we're going through the technological revolution so we're it's another layer added on and rewilding is this idea of like society has taught us that we live in our fenced-in yards and in our very individualistic model of um success and rewilding is coming back home to the remembrance that we we're never supposed to do it alone. Mm. We're not supposed to heal alone. We're not supposed to, um, you know, parent our children alone. We're not supposed to go into a fucking ultrasound alone. Like, that. you know what I mean? Like that, that story, that's just, it's such a, it's such a glaring moment where yeah. all of our systems have just been so cut off from the sacred. Right. Yeah, so it's restoring our connection to the sacred is really what rewilding is. And so what I, you know, what I see, Natalie, is that everyone is on a very individualized sort of path and curriculum there. And and whether that's coming up for you in the way that you birth your children or the way that you um, raise your children, the, the choices you make for your work or education or, um, you know, where you live it's it's a whole process and um it can it can happen 
as quickly as it's meant to or as slowly as it's meant to. And I think people really need to honor that pace. Otherwise, we get too caught up in the intensity of what it is because it is very intense. It's intense. And I'm I'm not um, shy about that. And, and typically, actually, listen, I, I love depth. I love taking things deep. And I love giving people, um, I don't know, I guess stories from history or deeper context through some of the great mysteries that people who have gone before us have spoken to. So I love talking about uh, this. There's a great mystic, St. Teresa of Avila, and she wrote a book called Entering the Castle. And in that book, she um, speaks to our journey here on earth. And to me, she's speaking to the rewilding process. Um, She speaks to it as a process of going seven layers in. That number seven is very, like, auspicious, I guess, or um, special, right? We have seven energy centers in the body. She speaks to the process of rewilding and reclaiming your soul. You're going to have to get in seven layers deep into the body. And the average human being will have to go through two dark night of the soul experiences to be able to alchemize enough falsity or purge enough crap and density from our bodies to be able to then really reestablish a connection with the soul. And whether that's living out in a farmstead for you, or you might be able to, to access that living on a city street in Chicago. Like it doesn't, I think people have to really kind of rework it's, it's going in their minds what that's going to look like for them. Cause ultimately what it comes down to is knowing that you're doing your micro work And through that, you're the embodiment of love, peace, and fulfillment. And and you naturally start to activate everybody else you come in contact with. So um, for me, I had a very, a very deep dark night of the soul experience that I believe activated me into really the quintessential essence of who of who I am. Um, I'm not sure if there's another one to come later on. I don't know, but I had one of those experiences that was very, very painful, um, but it ultimately brought me to where I am today. So I don't know if I would do it again, but (laughs) I'm glad I held myself through it. Let's say that. And that's, can you elaborate a little bit more sure. on Dark Night and Soul without, I don't want to like pry, but I, I want to, I want to give again, context for sure. sometimes how deep the human experience can go and how painful it can be. Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about it. So for me, my Dark Night of the Soul experience um, was during the birth of my third child, the pregnancy, the birth, and then the postpartum. I thought I was having a dark night of the soul experience. About five years ago now, I had a sibling take his own life. He, he took his own life. And the grief, um, the grief that came up for me through that was so intense. And I thought like, oh my God, this is, this is a dark night of the soul. And maybe it was like a mini one, but when you are really in a dark night of the soul, you're going to know because you literally can't get out unless you go deeper into it. Mm, I love that. And that's what St. Teresa of Avila talks about in her book is that, you know, um, we hear this sometimes when people talk about having a depressive episode or something. I've had, I've had people on my podcast say like to get out of their depression, they had to go deeper into their depression. They had to get support, um, whether or not they took meds 
or not for a while, like that was their thing or their choice. They would go, I had a girl on my podcast talking about going to her mom's house and making the very intentional choice to say, I'm going to stay here for six months and I'm going to explore this, which is like very different, very different than a doctor saying like, I'm going to, let's like get you out of this right now, which of course, if, of course, if you're in, you know, any sort of like super dangerous headspace, we need to stabilize that. But so for me, when I became pregnant with my third child, I had the the same experience where I realized I had to enter deeper into the swamp. So I had a condition called hyperemesis in pregnancy where um, for some women you are nauseous and you throw up violently the whole nine months. I remember seeing some of these stories on your Instagram. (laughs) And I shared about it very openly and I tried to bring context on the days when even though it was so dark, I could hear the voice of God, I could hear the voice of my soul come through and say, go even deeper into this because you're purging. And I remember laying on the bathroom floor, sweating for like two hours. And my five-year-old would be coming and bringing me towels and like, are you okay, mommy? And I was like, I'm okay. And, and I was literally holding this polarity of like, this is the most terrible thing I have ever experienced. And I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then also like, I knew I had to stay there. And I knew that in some way I was healing through it. And so, um, I had had two prior C-sections with my first two daughters. And so with this child, I was like, just wheel me in. I'm not even going to try for a VBAC or anything. I was so sick. It was in 2020 and everyone was wearing masks and it was crazy. So I was on the C-section table birthing her. My nervous system was a mess. I was wearing a mask and I felt so like, I literally, I was like, I'm going to die. Like I, I can't, I can't do this. Like it was because I'm so sensitive as well. When you go through a dark night of the soul, you're so sensitive. You're supposed to be because you're so open. You're so open. And so like COVID was happening and all these things. Wow. And so she was born and I really became painfully aware of the lack of the village and how isolated I was. Um, I was obviously having a harder time recovering because I was so sick in the pregnancy. But this was when something inside of me became so activated. It was like a remembrance of like, okay, it's COVID. Nobody even wants to come near me because everyone's afraid of this virus. I was, I was still, I wasn't sick. Like after the baby came out, I felt, or my nausea, I should say, subsided. But I was having, I think, secondary sort of stress issues because, or secondary issues from stress because the experience was so traumatic. So I was having trouble with my breast milk supply and I was having trouble, like I would lay in bed at night and try to feed my baby and I would be like um, so unsettled and shaky. And that that didn't happen to me with the first two. It was so dark. And so um, the only thing I could rely on was the wisdom of my body. And I started hearing things like um, go outside in the earth and just cry and just give everything 
to the earth mother. And you talked about Alex, like this connection between sky father, earth mother or earth body. And I started doing like wild shit like that. I just, nobody was telling me what to do, but I started going outside and you talk about rage, Natalie. Like, I think I purged lifetimes of, of rage. I, I heard like eat beef liver, like beef liver is going to activate you and do this and do that. And then I found the priestess temple that I'm a part of now where I started to lean into more and more medicinal practices that slowly started to re, it was like a reactivation of my light. Like you two talked about from the ground up. So I had purged so much dark and then slowly it was a two year process of my body, like filling back up with light. And when that happened, I could feel the completion of it. I could feel my cleansed chakra system I could feel that I had gone the seven layers deep and I could feel the activation of my sacral chakra with my solar plexus, with my heart. And I could feel this like very open. If we think of our heart chakra as a rose, mine was like a rose. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of people walk around and sometimes it's open and then we guard it and we close it. Or it's like very wounded or like, you know, sometimes if you see a flower that has a disease on it or it's turned brown, like mine was like... But I had to very much like a rose, I had to face the thorns and I had to, um, you know, cleanse all of that. So that was, that was my experience. Wow. That's powerful, really powerful. And, and what I loved about that is that, and is that that was most people will resist that. Mm -hmm. They resist like falling deeper. It is the it is the absolute feminine surrender of saying, yep. okay, take me. Like, so can, we, can we talk about what happens when you resist it? Because I think that this is really important. Like 2020, I activated people. Maybe they didn't even have such a, such a dark night that I had or whatnot, maybe a little bit. But I think people became activated in this remembrance of the life-death rebirth process. Some people went down the opposite path, and I know we're not here to save them. They have to have this journey. But when you resist it, it's so dangerous because what I see happening is people become their darkness. They become bitter. They become, you know, those people who are just like full-time activists, but they're now just like full-time angry people. Like it becomes, you become, or I, you know, like I, I had, um, not even a friend, but just sort of an acquaintance who went through a dark night of the soul. You could see it happening. And then I sort of watched the transition of just hating everybody and all men are bad. That, that's, how it, that's how it can manifest in the feminine is all of a sudden like you hate all men or you hate all this or every, you become so bitter and it just like takes over. And it's so dangerous. Yeah, I, I love that because... And you can't get out. No, because you're, you're, you're like circling around in mm-hmm. fear, A. Yes. Um, you're easily manipulated because you're not in your body. You're not grounded in your body at all. And all your shadows in the back end, all the things that were supposed to be acknowledged and felt... Mm-hmm. and alchemized in that dark night of the soul yep remain hidden and are the driver behind your back and push you and project everything out into your reality and it is a shit storm mm-hmm. that's how i feel it that's how i experience and see it alex how about you um i'm i'm struck with a question now too like 
you know, is, I know the Buddhist term, like, what you resist persists. Yes. But, um, and I, I love what's coming up. Like, this is so, so powerful, so needed to be heard by everybody. But I wonder, like, where, where is resistance appropriate? Ooh. If it's appropriate at all. Like, when is it a good thing? Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I think the resist, when I think of resistance, I think of, like, allowing yourself to fall into those deep or emotions. We're not always going to have that time space to kind of go into it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think resistance would come in handy when you are like, say, like we're talking about sacred rage, sacred rage is like, I've had moments where I, I, I'm in my room, in the mirror, pounding on the pillow. I have a towel in my mouth screaming because I don't want my neighbors to hear me. Right. Mm -hmm. That should not be in public. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. that's a time to like resist because it is not. I think that is something sacred for me to experience on my own. But yeah, that's kind of when I see resistance as a, a good place. Resistance, and I'm going to get to it eventually. But I don't know. Is that what do you think? Do you mean resistance, Alex? Like uh, like you're sort of fighting against what you should be facing. Is that what you mean when you speak to resistance? Yeah. I think you just have to be able to discern for yourself. Again, like come into your body and, you know, there's a time to hold steady, right? And it doesn't always have to be so intense all the time. Yes. These, these experiences. So I come on to these podcasts and I share so vulnerably on, for example, my social channels and my own show and in my work because I feel... I feel guided to do that as an example for other people who are perhaps going to have to go that deep, but that doesn't mean it's going to be that deep for you, you know? Um, and so we have to be able to discern, you know, when we're in resistance or where we're just being told like, hold steady right now. It's cool if things are cool and, and hold steady with maybe a lesson you're, you're, um, you're currently integrating or hold, hold I, I worked with a therapist for years after my brother um, passed away and she was a Course in Miracles teacher and really integrated like Eastern Western philosophies of healing. And a lot of the times I would come to her with stuff and I was like, oh, I got to get through this or I'm resisting this. And she's like, you just got to hold steady. Like hold steady, hold that, steady. It takes time and we need those people to remind us too because we don't want to over-spiritualize things either. No, and I, I, have a, I was just talking to my, my group um, about this. We, we have, sometimes we have to let our wounds come up as the story that our body wants to tell. We don't need to go digging the wound. We don't need no. to go fixing because, again, mm -hmm. that's a masculine approach to fixing ourselves. So it's, if you think about a wound on our arm, it's going gonna, it's gonna to heal. You don't go yeah. and pick the scab. You don't dig at that wound because I want to I wanna get it out. I want to fix this. I want to um, dig it out. I want to get rid of it, right? That's, that's mm -hmm. another way of just being so obsessed on this spiritual journey of fixing and getting rid of the density when the softening and the surrendering to the story and how your body wants to allow things to come up, that's a, that's a very different approach. It's very soft and surrendering. So I, I have a question for you both now. Yeah. All right. 
we're, we're talking about wounding, and I've heard some people say that wounding is the initiation for you being called into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt, our teacher, uses his wounds to connect with people. And he says, like a dark shaman, somebody who closes their wounds and doesn't allow you to see their vulnerability. Um, is that wounded paradigm archetype, is that always going to be something that's constant? Or do you think that's something that, like, cosmic intergalactically we're phasing out of that we need to have that wounding process? Like, is that a, a dated archetype applied to wounded healer? I love that question. I hope I articulated that well, not like an idiot. I'm sorry. Like, are we, do you mean, like, are, are our wounds the radar for others? I think they are, but that is based off the archetype that you need to be wounded to be initiated. Right. I hear what you're saying. And you're saying, could we eventually move beyond that? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I think some people, I have a friend who's psychic and she kind of channels spirit babies coming in. She just wrote a great book called, um, what's it called? I think it's called a cosmic. No, it's called um, a cosmic bond. And it's all about like connecting with your spirit babies before they come in. And she really thinks that a lot of the children coming through because each generation evolves naturally, um, that they're going to, they're not going to have as many wounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I struggle with that. Like sometimes maybe it can be both. Um, Sometimes I think humanity can have this belief of like, oh, the, you know, we hear this sometimes in the in the online space or in coaching spaces where it's like the new earth children are coming in to save everything. And and sometimes that rattles me a little bit because I feel like it's taking, it's putting the responsibility on them and it's taking it away from us. And so as a mother of three kids, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just be a bit careful there. Um, Great point. But I also love what she's saying though, about how like we do, we do evolve over time. And she does believe that that children are being born with more light in their bodies and they're going to be not as tolerable to the dark side. Um, I, I agree. I think that as we become more conscious, it's consciousness as, as it expands throughout collectively and individually, I do believe that those wounds, I mean, look at what is happening in our collective framework right now. There's so much shadow being exposed and more to come I believe that when we heal collectively that's when we personally as individuals won't hold as much so I I do I do see that actually Mm -hmm. are we gonna see it in this lifetime I I doubt it no I I would hope to see that (laughs) but I do believe that as that evolutionary and involution process where we're we're really navigating this internal structure where we're alchemizing, alchemizing, alchemizing our own personal um, experience, whether that's in this, in this life, past lives, um, soul wounds. These are being alchemized very quickly because of externally what is happening so quickly on the, on the, in this collective shit show. So I actually do believe that maybe we will be not void of pain, but I mean, that's, Again, let's talk, let's. You brought something up, Jared, and I want to. Maybe we could just tap on it quickly. The spiritual community, the five D Earth, how we're moving to a new planet, all of that stuff that you love. <laughs> do you want to dive into that? What do you think about this? 
just sort of the very like ethereal woo-woo language mean? Is that what you well, mean? Not so or much, I guess. The um the douchebaggery in the spiritual game. Yeah, let's just call it that. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. The douchey, douchey part of the spiritual communities. And I guess it's not not to say that like people who think going to five yet. We are ascending, absolutely, but um, mm-hmm. there's some douchebaggery in I'm there. gonna I'm gonna hold down the lower vibration for the rest of us. Thanks, Alex. You guys can ascend, I'll I'll keep it locked down here. <laughs> I mean, hey, the great Carolyn Mace would always say like you gotta, you gotta call, sometimes call it out, right? In order to, um, Alex is really good at that. Yeah, you gotta be able to call it out, but call it out and hold it with a light of truth, so that others can, uh, you know, discern for themselves what is true. I think it's so interesting because in 2020, many people who really were on the consciousness path or started to turn towards it because of the state of things. Everyone was sort of on their phone, maybe not everybody, but lots of people were like, oh, really trying to stay in their body and discern what was true for them and maybe what they believed about things or didn't believe about things with, with things that were happening so quickly. And again, technology has actually gifted us really beautiful opportunities for connections and community. And you can have like these mini spiritual awakenings, even reading a simple post on the internet. It's quite profound. Yeah. I think we've all, you're like, whoa, that person just said what I somehow knew in my body. And that just activated something in me. Yeah. But on the flip side, I think the consciousness community has gone a little bit too far and that's fine because uh, newsflash, we're not perfect. Um, and people have attached certain words. Like I've heard people call it word salad, you know, like you said, the 5d this, or we're going, or the, and it, it's kind of gone too far, but I, I am feeling, and maybe it's just because I'm personally feeling it. I have felt a rebalance in my energy where I know the path that I'm on. And I know, um, you know, that, what fuels me is following accounts that talk about a woman's cyclical nature and her cycle and all of these things that I've been relearning myself. And it's rare that I look at too much of the darkness anymore. My nervous system actually can't hold it because I have moved away from being obsessed with, like, I still have a friend or two who loves to sort of look at these accounts that sort of poke fun at the news and when it's propaganda or whatever and they're sending it to you in your dms like every five seconds and i can't i can't do that i'm like i'm i'm i am now living more in the light than i am exploring the dark and so i don't want to read the news every five seconds i don't want to even look at an astrology reading of the day or hear about the new earth children every five seconds like when you become embodied enough inside your own body you don't you don't need Need it much you don't need it. Yeah. Right? So I think that's the discernment and that's where people are going to have to come to. People are having their own mini activations and realizations of like, oh my God, being on my phone this long or looking at these things in this, well, even if it is the spiritual space, it's starting to not feel right because it's, it's not going to feel right when you truly are, um, you know, returning to who you are and your role right now. Ooh, I love that. So I just realized what time it was. And we've been, I feel like I could talk with you all day. <laughs> a million questions. I, have a million. I know. We're going to have to do a podcast number two. But um, like, like spiritual children could be like a whole different thing. 
Yeah. Oh boy. I, I know it, raising kids in this time. What, do you have kids, Alex? I'm yeah, I'm a one kid. Okay. So you've That's got cool. one more That's than Natalie and I combined. Yeah. Yeah. So we both Alex and I, Jackson is three now. Three and a half. He's, a half. he's his own cool little superpower in his own way. He's, he's doing fun stuff. Fun. So I want to come back to the kind of purpose of this podcast, which is to really give people a sense of knowing that they can come back to themselves, that they're true. The medicine is the self, right? So in your work, how do you take women back home to themselves? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how I do that is creating a space for them to come back down and into their body. Number one, because like you said, most of, most of us are living. I love how you shared like the shoulder up analogy. Mm -hmm. So it's a coming down and in process. I mean, on calls with women, that's the opening prayer. We're coming down and in. Sometimes I'll explore the chakra system or we'll do deepening activities, but it has to start there. It has to for many women on the planet right now, it has to be a practice, a daily practice that our power is our presence. It's not in our achievements. It's not in um, how successful we are. It's not, it's actually none of that. It's, it's how able we are to be present with what is. That's our power. So it has to start there. It has to start there. And from there, we might deepen into other things. Um, Women laugh at some of the things that that we do really to connect with some of the lower three chakras because that's where a lot of women are storing, you know, unhealed pain or blocks and things like that. Um, and there's all sorts of things we can do, but it, it has to start with that descent into the body. And just, I guess, since this is a podcast and it's hard to go into some of the like micro layers, but um, one other like simple tip or simple thing I can say is that when a woman comes down and into her body. If she's been living shoulders up, it's going to be uncomfortable. And this is where though, just like when I explained my dark night of the soul and after having my child, I chose to stay in my body despite how just like uncomfortable I was. And through staying inside my body, my unique medicine started to flow up. Like I heard that voice inside saying like, you're going to make bread. You're going to learn how to make bread from scratch. That was one thing I didn't mention. I was eating the beef liver and I was rolling in the grass and all these things. But I, I taught myself how to make bread. And every day when I couldn't sleep at night and this, this trauma was purging out of my body and I could, I could feel, I could feel it. How I stayed in my body was using my hands and kneading the bread and getting into the dough. And so do you see the difference between I'm going to go hack my way out of this or I'm going to let my body choose a medicinal, like an ancient medicinal practice, because that's usually what the body does, is it, is it reminds you of something ancient like that to, um, it's not keeping yourself busy or going shopping or something like that to block it. It's something to keep you present. So I guess that's just sort of a, a tip I think that could help land with a podcast audience as opposed to like a more like really get in there. Um, but it's very powerful. It's very powerful to remember what your medicine is because you're going to return to it over and over and over again. I love that. And that, that kind of reminds me of that 
there's so much magic in those mundane tasks. Yes. Being present in like kneading the bread, that's such a mundane task that like it gives you the ability to feel what is happening. Yeah. It's a shit show in your body or Mm -hmm. a beautiful moment of looking at your child. You're there for all of it, whatever it is. And it calls in our ancestors. I mean, when my grandfather went off to war and my, my, oh my God, it makes me emotional. But like, I think about my grandmother who is home with her nine kids Mm -hmm. and probably I feel like I'm feeling her right now, like so scared and so sad. And she would just put her hands in the bread. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like our, our ancestors knew what to do. The women knew what to do in those moments. I don't think they, they had as much access to how much, how powerful they are to transmute pain. That's yeah. our generation. That's our yeah. job. But they had the ancient practices, and now we are weaving the two together. That's so beautiful. The medicine and the transmutation. That's, that's our calling. I love that, Jer. So beautiful. So, Gerilyn, where can our audience find you, and what are you offering right now? Yeah, just find me on Instagram. Uh, two blondes plus a brunette is kind of a fun family account I started. Uh, I'm also at Gerilyn Power on Instagram and probably my newsletter. Just going to my website, GerilynPower.com and signing up for my newsletter. I have a course, a free, my first ever free five-day course I'm launching in the next few days. Actually, I've got piles of stuff beside me here. And it's all about returning to your feminine artistry. So um, yeah, it's going to be so good. And it's going to be a course that I'll launch and then um, there'll be a recording of it as well. So if you check out my pages and stuff, or even on Insta, it'll be in the bio probably by the time this launches, whenever it launches. But yeah, I'll have some stuff coming up. I'm also going to be doing a temple experience at my home in rural Ontario. So after someone has done a one-to-one session with me or taken that free five-day course, really returning to the feminine. Um, At the end, I'm going to be keeping people aware of uh, these temples that are coming up at my my home. So there's that too. Amazing. Well, we're so happy to have you on the podcast. And I feel like we need to have others. You're going to be on another one. We got to dive into topics. (laughs) And I'm sad I'm just now, I'm excited and sad that I'm just now getting to know who you are. Like, you're doing some powerful, really cool stuff. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me and trusting me. And oh, Thanks so much, Cher. We'll get you on again. Thanks for listening to the Huffing Spirit podcast. Um, go follow Jer. She's doing really beautiful things. And uh, Alex and I are going to be working on some homework that Jer suggested. Okay? Yes, we are. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Huffing Spirit podcast. Remember, you are your own teacher. Take what resonates and leave the rest. For more info, follow us on Instagram at Huffing Spirit Podcast and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. Bye for now.